Amen. Alright, well we're there in Genesis 22. Uh, keep your finger there in Genesis 22 and go with me to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 as we uh, are continuing our study through the book of Hebrews. Uh, commonly known as the Hall of Faith, and I'm sure you've been seeing as we've been going through it, that there is a lot of, uh, the word faith comes up uh, often, and the subject of faith is talked about in depth, and if you look at Hebrews 11, look down at verse, now we just read Genesis 22, and if you look down at verse number 11, look at verse 11, let's just read a couple verses in this chapter, Genesis 22 and verse 11 says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged them faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Skip down to verse number 17. Look. Verse 17 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall I see it be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, and gave commandments concerning his bones. I want you to keep your finger in Hebrew. 11, because we're going to be going back and forth, but go back to Genesis 22, and Genesis 22 is probably the, the most famous story of Abraham, and Abraham is of course a great man of faith, and we've been traveling through the book of Hebrews, and we've been talking about these different characters, and if you remember, I'm going to keep reminding you about it, just because I want you to, to, to remember the, 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 the lessons that we've gone to, but first we saw Abel and his faith for salvation, then we saw Enoch and his faith for sanctification, then we saw Noah and his faith for soul winning. Then we saw uh, uh, Abraham the first time and we saw his faith for separation. He left the old world and he sought a new land. Tonight we're continuing with Abraham and there's a lot to be said about Abraham. But tonight we're talking about the faith for sacrifice. The faith for sacrifice. And if you go back to Genesis 22 and look at verse 1, I'd like you to notice what the Bible says uh, here in the story that happened to Abraham. Genesis 22 and verse 1 says this. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now that word tempt there is not, you know, it's not the same word, or it's not the same understanding as what you and I think of temptation. The Bible tells us that God does not tempt anyone to sin. But the word tempt there, if, if you were to do a study and look how it's translated in, in different parts of the scriptures, you know, the King James Bible, you would see that it's also a, uh, translated as the word attempted. Or uh, to prove. The meaning there is to test. God is testing Abraham. If you go back to Hebrews 11 and look at verse 17, like I said, keep your finger on both because we're going to be flipping back and forth. But if you look at Hebrews 11 and verse 17, the Bible says, by faith Abraham, notice this terminology, when he was tried. Do you see that? And here's what you got to understand, that God is testing Abraham. God is tempting Abraham. God is putting Abraham to a test. He's proving him to see, you know, uh, if Abraham is really going to do what Abraham has said he's going to do. And you need to understand this about God. Keep, go, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians, you're there in Hebrews 11. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And if you look at verse number 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. You need to understand this about God. That God is trying and testing His children all the time. And just like God tested Abraham, God may test you. And 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says this. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing man, but God, notice this phrase, which trieth our hearts. And you need to understand that God... From time to time, if you're saved, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, from time to time, like God tested Abraham and tempted him and tried him and proved him to make sure that Abraham was what he said he was and would do what he said he'd do. From time to time, God is likely and liable to test you and to test me. Now I want you to understand, as we go through the story in, 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 in Genesis 22, and you can get back there. Actually, go, go to Hebrews 11. I'm sorry. Go to Hebrews 11. I just want to show you something real quick. You need to understand, this story in Genesis 22, the reason it's so famous is because it picks 
pictures the death of Christ. And it's one of the clearest pictures of the death of Jesus Christ. And as we go through the story, I'm just going to highlight a few things for you, so you can notice how this pictures uh, Jesus Christ. Now, Hebrews 11.17 is a commentary back to Genesis 22. What's happening in Genesis 22 is being explained in Hebrews 11.17. And notice what it says. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises, notice this phrase, does this sound familiar to you? Offered up his his only begotten son. You see that? Now that's talking about Abraham offering up his only begotten son Isaac. But you need to understand that Genesis 22 is a picture of what, you know, Jesus Christ and God the Father. In the same way that Abraham went, offered up his only begotten son, Jesus Christ was offered up as the only begotten son of God the Father. You don't have to turn there, but we'll just quote it for you. John 3.16, you know the verse. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So you've got to understand that as we go through Genesis 22, there's a correlation, and there is a picture there of Jesus Christ. And the first thing that we see in the story is that God did tempt Abraham, and God is likely and liable to tempt you. Now, you may ask this question, if God's going to tempt me, if God's going to test me, if God's going to try me, what is that going to look like? Go back to Genesis 22, look at verse 2. In Genesis 22 and verse 2, and I think the air conditioner is kicked on, so that's good. Genesis 22 and verse number 2, notice what it says. Notice what God says. And He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. We need to understand in Christianity that if we're going to be people that are used of God, it's going to cost you something to serve Jesus. Serving Jesus and being used of God does not come just without a sacrifice. God goes to Abraham and he says, I want you to take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and offer him there for a burnt offering. Now you've got to understand this. Go back to Hebrews 11. Look at verse 11. For any parent, this would be difficult. For any parent with any amount of children, I don't care if you got 12 kids, 18 kids, 20 kids, it would be difficult for any parent to give up their child. But for Abraham, it was even more intense because this child... Isaac is actually called in Scripture the child of promise. Are you there in Hebrews 11? Look at verse 11. The Bible says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. If you remember, Abraham and Sarah were not able to have children. They were not able to conceive. And God had promised Abraham that he would have a child by Sarah. And that child would be the son of promise and that he would bring the Messiah through that child. And he said, through that child is going to come the blessing, the the Messiah that blesses our world. And Sarah was past age. She was at an age that she could not have a child. Abraham was at an age that they could not have a child. If you remember Romans 4 this morning, we were talking about Abraham. And it said that he hoped against hope. And that his body being dead. And even there, if you look at verse 12 in Hebrews eleven twelve, it says, uh, Therefore sprang there even of one. And it says, And him as good as dead. It says, The body of Abraham was as good as dead. It says, Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sandwiches by the seashore, innumerable. And God promised this old man, and God promised this old woman, and He said, I'm going to give you a son. You've never been able to have a child, and I'm going to give you a child. It's going to be a promised child. And then they get that child. And then God says, I want you to sacrifice the child. And you've got to understand this. This is, this chapter is the reason that you and I know and talk and speak and teach about Abraham today. Because of this test. Because he passed this test. And what was the test? The test was, I want you to give me your son. Now you need to understand this. For Abraham, this was the most valuable thing. And you need to understand, when God tests you, and when God tests me, He's going to usually ask for the thing that we value the most. What do you value the most? What is the most important thing in your life? 
And God may ask and say, are you willing to give that up? Are you willing to give that to me? Now notice what Abraham's response. And Abraham's response is completely different than anything you and I would do, I'm sure. Abraham simply obeyed. Look at verse 3, Genesis 22 and verse 3. Genesis 22 and verse 3 says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took, took, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and claimed the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Notice uh, verse 4. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place off. And I just want you to notice Abraham's response. There's no, there's no complaining. There's no murmuring. There's no God are you serious? God are you sure? God are you making a mistake? God don't you remember this is the son you promised me? God don't you remember this is the son you said you were going to give me? God says I want you to give me your son. And the next verse says Abraham rose up early in the morning. Saddled his ass and took two of his young men. And he just goes up. And he just obeys. Now here's what's interesting. Look at verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place thereof. Now do you see how it says the third day there? Okay, remember I was telling you that this is a picture of Jesus Christ. This is a picture of what Christ... They, get, they, they set off on their journey. And they've got three days before Isaac is supposed to die. And this actually is what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. And keep your finger there. Genesis 22. Go to Luke 13. Let me just show you this real quickly. Luke 13 and verse 32. Do you remember that Jesus came into the, uh, the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday? We celebrate Palm Sunday. And Jesus comes into the city. And, and of course, I don't have time to explain. This. If you don't understand this, uh, you can listen to a sermon on the website. We've got sermons to, to, that explain this. I don't have time to go into it right now. But Jesus, the Bible teaches us, died on a Wednesday night, not a Friday. And Jesus had a three-day period that he was on a journey, just like Isaac, because the Bible tells us Genesis 24. Then on the third day, Abraham lived in his life. So he leaves his house, and he's journeying to go sacrifice his son, and he's got a three-day journey. And Jesus, when he came into Jerusalem, spent three days on that journey to Mount Calvary. Are you there in Luke 13? Look at verse 32. Luke 13 and verse 32 says, And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox... Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow. Notice what it says. And the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. So he says, look, I'm going to be in Jerusalem for three days. I'm going to be casting out devils. I'm going to be doing all these things. He said, but the third day I'm going to be perfected. It's just interesting how Jacob, I'm sorry, Abraham and Isaac, they set off on their journey and they've got a three-day journey and they're kind of looking towards and headed towards Calvary. And in the same way, Jesus Christ enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and he's got a three-day journey where he's looking for and looking forward to the cross, just like Isaac. Go back to Genesis 22, look at verse 5. You, you, you need to understand that when God tests you, when God tries you, He's not going to ask you for something that you don't care about. He's going to ask you for something that you love, that you value. Because we need to understand this about God. God has a desire to be the number one thing in your life. The Bible tells us that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. God wants to be the number one thing, person, you know, just anything in your life. He doesn't want anything between you and Him. But unfortunately, we all have things that we put before God. And we all have things that we value before God. And I think Abraham was so rejoiced to have this son. He never had, you know, God had promised him the son for years and years and years and years and years. And he finally has that son. And I can imagine Abraham rejoicing. And I can imagine Sarah rejoicing. And they're happy and they're, they're glad that God gave him the son. And then God says, okay, Abraham, I've got a test for you. Give me your son. And Abraham passed the test because of two reasons. Number one, he obeyed. He said, okay, God. He, he didn't try to he didn't try to argue with God. He didn't try to uh, negotiate with God. He didn't say, God, God, what, 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 what if I give you this, this servant? Or God, what if I give you this? I've got this oxen. He, he said, God, you want, you want Isaac? Okay, God. I'll give you Isaac. Verse 5, Genesis 22, 5, says, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. Now remember, Abraham and Isaac have been traveling for three days. They get to the mount where they're going to sacrifice his son. And I want you to understand this. Do you want to know what will get you through a test? Because I don't know about you. 
But if God is going to test me, I want to pass the test. If God is going to try me, and that test and that trying period is going to determine whether God can trust me enough to use me in the way He'd like to use me, then I want to know that I'm going to be able to pass the test. And I want to know what I need to do to pass that test. And to pass the test, of course, number one, you've got to obey. But number two, you've got to understand this. And this is why this ended up being in the book of Hebrews. Because the only way to pass the test, the only way to give up the thing you most value to God is to have faith that God has your best interest in mind. And notice what he says. And you can see in Genesis, and then we're told in Hebrews even further. But you can see in Genesis the faith of Abraham. Because notice what he says in verse 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. Okay, so he's talking to his servants. He said, You stay here with the ass, and I, Abraham, and the lad, Isaac, will go yonder and worship. Now he knows that he's going to go yonder and worship by sacrificing his son. Now notice what he says to the young men. He says, And come again to you. Do you see that? See, Abraham had this faith that if God asked me to kill my son, then God is going to work it out to where I come back with my son. you understand that? Go to Hebrews 11. He explains it even more further. Hebrews 11, 18 says... Hebrews 11.18 says this, of whom it was said. Hebrews 11.18. Because remember when we talked about faith? Faith must always be on God's word. You can't just say, you know, I'm going to have faith in this and make something up. Faith is through the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. And Abraham had a word. Abraham had a verse. Abraham had a scripture that he could place his faith on. And here's what it was. Of whom it was said. Are you there in Hebrews 11? Look at verse 18. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall I see because. And Abraham knew. God had already promised him. That through his son Isaac was going to come the lineage that would bring us the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And if you study Matthew chapter 1, you will see that the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ goes from Jesus through King David, all the way back to through, you know, uh, Jacob, through Abraham himself. And in Luke it takes it all the way back to Adam. But see, God had already promised Abraham, hey, Isaac is going to be the one that brings the lineage to the Messiah. Abraham already knew that. So here's what Abraham thought. Look at verse 19. Now this is not what happened. But this is what Abraham believed. Verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up. Even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. See, Abraham had to stop. He said, if I go up on that mountain and I kill my son. God has already promised me that through my son. It's going to come the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, so if I sacrifice him, then God is able to raise him up even from the dead. And he said, I believe God. I believe that God could resurrect a body from the grave. So he said, I'm just going to trust God, that God knows what he's doing, that God has my best uh, uh, interest in mind. I'm just going to obey him. I'm not going to argue with him. I'm not going to fight with him. I'm not going to, you know, just get upset. I'm not going to disobey. I'm going to do what God told me to do. And I'm going to have faith that God knows what he's doing. And you got to understand this. You and I need to understand this. There are times where God is going to ask us to give up things that are very valuable to us. And the only way you're going to be able to do it is if you have this faith. That God knows what He's doing. And that God has your best interest in mind. The Bible says this. You Go ahead and turn there. Romans 8.28, very well-known passage. Romans 8.28 says this. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them who are the called according to His purpose. I'll read it again. I want you to see it. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to them that, are, that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. The question is this, do you believe that? Do you believe that if you are called according to the purpose of God, that if you love Him and you're doing what He asks you to do, that God is not going to make sure that everything works out for your best interest, but God is going to make sure that everything works out for His good. Because that type of faith is what allows you to say, Okay, God, what is it that you want? What do you want from me? 
What do you want from my life? And you and I need to understand. We get this idea that there are things that I value more. And in and, and, and Christianity today, there are people that say, I love God. God's my Savior. Jesus is my Savior. I, I love Him with all my heart. But yet they value their jobs more than they value God. There are people that value their families more than they value God. And you need to understand, at, one, at some point, God is going to make you decide, what do you value more? Is it your job? Is it your hobby? Is it your family? Is it your boyfriend? Is it your husband? Is it your wife? Is it your kids? Is it your grandkids? Is it, is it what the things you do? I mean, there, are, there is a time when you've got to make a choice. And God's going to bring you to that place. And He's going to say, you know that thing you like right there? You know, you, you love that, right? What are you talking about, God? That job? That, the job you gave me, God? Yeah, that job I gave you. Would you be willing to give it up for me? Well, God, I mean, how am I going to support my family? Do you believe that God has your best interest in mind? Are you willing to obey based on faith? Now, here's, here's the interesting thing. And, and, and really, here's the point of the entire... That was kind of all introduction. Here, here's the, the lesson in the story. Go back to Genesis 22. Here's what's interesting. I hear people today, and especially here, we have Father's Day not too long ago. And there are atheists, and there are people who mock at Christianity and mock at God. And this is actually one of the stories they mock at. And for Father's Day, people were, were mocking at, at Genesis 22. Oh, look at the Bible. It teaches, it teaches how to be a great father. You know, you're willing to kill your son. And here's, here's what's interesting. By our standards, we would think, Abraham, you are a bad dad. God asked you to sacrifice your son, and you're going to go up on that mountain, and you're going to kill your son. Now, here's what's interesting. By our standards, he would be losing what God gave him. He would be losing. To him, his son was the, most, the biggest value. And if he would have killed and sacrificed that son, we'd be thinking, what are you doing, Abraham? That's not what a good dad does. But Abraham just had enough faith to think, well, if God is asking me to do it, God has my best interest in mind. God knows what He's doing. I'm just going to obey God. I'm not going to question God. I know that God knows more than I know. I know that God has better intentions for me than even I have. And He understands how things are going to work out. And I'm just going to go ahead and count that God is able to raise Him up even from the dead. And He said, look, I'm just going to trust God. But by human standards, you and I would look at that and say, you're a bad dad, Abraham. But here's what's interesting about this story. Look at verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. Now here's this. Remember I was telling you this pictures the death of Christ. First of all we saw that Abraham gave up his only begotten son the same way that God the Father gave up his only begotten son. Then we saw that they set off on a three day journey. Isaac and, and Abraham looking towards Mount Moriah for the death of Isaac in the same way Jesus Christ entered in Jerusalem three days before his death on Mount Calvary, which was the same mountain, by the way. In Genesis 22, 6, it says, And Abraham took, notice this, the wood of the burnt offering. Because when you made a sacrifice, you had to set up a, a, an altar to be able to sacrifice that uh, offering there. And he had to take wood with him. Now notice what he does with the wood. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and, notice, laid it upon Isaac his son. Do you see that? Go to John 19, look at verse 17. John 19, and keep your finger there in John because we're going to come back and forth a little bit. John 19 and verse 17. Abraham gets to the mountain after three days. And he takes the wood for the burnt offering. And he puts it on the back of his son Isaac. And he says, Isaac, I want you to carry the wood that I'm going to sacrifice you on up this mountain to where you're going to die. And in the same way, John 19.17 says of the Lord Jesus Christ, And He, bearing His cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha. And in the same way that Isaac took the wood that he would be laid upon to die and had to take it on his back and carry it up the mountain to the place of his death, Jesus Christ took the wood that He would be put on to die and carry it up the mountain to the place of His death. The perfect picture of salvation, the perfect picture of Abraham, the, the father, sacrificing the only begotten son. Picturing God the father, sacrificing his only begotten son. Now notice verse 7, it says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father. Now you got to understand, Isaac is not a little kid. Now, sometimes people tell this story and they act like Isaac's like five years old. I mean, Isaac was likely in his thirties. 
We know in a couple chapters he's 37 years old. Okay, so I mean, he is very likely, since it's a picture of Christ, it's very likely he's probably 33 years old, like Jesus was. And the Bible often calls, you know, uses the word lad for what we would consider, you know, not a child, you know. But when you're like 120 years old, you know, everybody just looks like a lad, you know. When you're, when you're like 140 years old, a 33-year-old guy looks like a kid to you, you know. So that's kind of the idea there. But Isaac was not a little kid. And he took that cross, or he took that wood, look at verse 7, Genesis 22, 7. And spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Isn't that a good uh, question to ask? If your dad says, Hey son, we're going to go on a three-day journey. We're going to go to a mountain. And we're going to sacrifice, make a sacrifice for God. And you're, you're, you're loading up for this trip, and you got the wood, and you got everything you need for the sacrifice. You get there, and Dad says, you guys stay here. Me and Isaac are going to go up and sacrifice to God. And they take the wood, they take the fire, and Isaac look around and think to himself, uh, Dad, where's the lamb? Where's the animal that we're going to sacrifice? I notice Abraham's response, verse 8, and we're going to come back to this at the end of the sermon. Verse 8, and Abraham said, my son, don't miss this phrase. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. We're going to come back to that a little bit. Look at verse 9. Let me show you another, another correlation to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Go to John 18. Look at verse 12. Okay, I want you to notice this. Abraham, in verse 9, bound Isaac. Do you see that? Abraham bound Isaac. Let me read it for you again as you go to John 18, 12. Genesis 22, 9. And they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac. So he ties him up. Bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Notice what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ when he died. John 18.12 says, Then the band of the captains of the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. You see that? I mean the correlations are just exactly the same. Isaac carries the wood up the mountain. Jesus carries the cross up the mountain. Isaac was bound. Jesus was bound. Isaac was the only begotten of his father. Jesus was the only begotten of his father. Isaac had a three-day journey to his death. Jesus had a three-day journey to his death. Go back to Genesis 22. Look at verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now I want you to understand this. Abraham was not bluffing. He was ready to do this. God told him to do it, and he's going to do it. Now, you got to understand, the Bible actually forbids human sacrifice, but this was before Genesis. I mean, this was after Genesis. Moses comes on the scene, gives us the Levitical law, and God says, no human sacrifices. And even in the story, there's no human sacrifice. It's interesting what God is doing when he's testing him. Because look at, look at Genesis 22.10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. Now notice what God says. For now I know that thou fearest God. Seeing, and here's the key, here's the key word, here's the key phrase. Thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Here's what God wants to know from you. What are you withholding from Him? I love God. Amen. I love Jesus. Amen. I'm so thankful for the Bible. Amen. But is there anything in your life that if God said, I want that, you would say, no, no God, not that. Because Abraham could actually say, nothing between my soul and the Savior. There's nothing that I have. There's nothing that I possess. There's nothing that God said. Because even God Himself, He said, He said, now, I said, I, I can see that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. I want you to see the last correlation there to the picture of Jesus Christ. Do you notice how there was a, there was a, 
a, a, a well, look, look, at, look at verse 13 again. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering. Notice this phrase. In the stead of his son. So, Isaac should have died, but something else died in his place. That's salvation. Galatians 1.4. Can you go there just quickly? We're almost done. Galatians 1.4. Galatians 1.4. Galatians 1.4, I'd like you to understand this. Galatians 1.4. And you need to understand, this is what salvation is. Salvation is someone else took your punishment. You should have died. You should have gone to hell. And someone else took your place. In the stead of his son. Are you there in Galatians chapter 1? Look at verse 4. Galatians 1.4. The Bible says... Who gave himself for our sins. Talking about Jesus. That he might deliver us from this present evil world. According to the will of God and our Father. And by the way, that's why, you know, what we talked about this morning and, and the whole work salvation. That's why you can't add any works to your salvation. Either he took your place or he didn't. But he didn't take part of your place. He didn't say, well, I'll take some of it and you do the rest. I'll put the down payment and you make the payments. That's not the deal. The deal is, you can die and go to hell and pay for your own sins. Do you realize that you can pay for your own sins if you like? How do I do that? You die, you go to hell, you spend eternity in hell, and you'll pay for your own sins. And God's totally okay with that. That's just. But God has made a way for someone else to take that your place, and that was Jesus Christ. And he... See, here's the thing. When, 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 when Abraham saw the ram, okay, did he take the ram... And take Isaac off the altar and put the ram on the altar. And then smack Isaac. <laughs> well, you got to take a part of it too, son. No, the ram took the entire death. Do you understand that? The ram was the full sacrifice. The ram was the full payment. There was nothing else Isaac had to do. Though he was unbound, he was made free. Because there was an animal, there was a ram that took his place. Instead of him. They didn't take half and half. Abraham didn't try to kill half of, Abraham, of Isaac and say, well, the ram will take part of you, and then you do the rest. It doesn't work like that. It's, either, it's, it's all of Jesus or it's none of Jesus. You don't get to just play the middle ground. It's in the stead of his son who gave himself for our sins, all of them, that he might deliver us from this present evil World. Now here's what's interesting. Go, go back go back to Genesis 22. Let me just give you a few. I told you we're almost done, but that doesn't mean anything. Okay? We are almost done, but I just want to give you... I, you need to see a few things. We're really kind of studying Genesis 22 and, and trying to give you a good Bible study tonight out of Genesis 22. I want you to notice there's a prophecy given in Genesis 22. This is known as a prophetic statement, and Abraham is actually called a prophet in the Bible. And one of the major reasons he's called a prophet is because of Genesis 22. And in verse 7, the Bible Bible says this, and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, remember this, and said, my father, and he said, here am I, my son, and he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Remember, Isaac asked the question, he said, where's the lamb, dad? He keeps telling we're going to kill something, where is it? Now notice what Abraham says, verse 8, and here's a prophetic statement. The Holy Ghost comes upon Abraham and prophesies. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what he says. Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. Now, you can read that and think that he's saying that God himself is going to provide a lamb for us. But that's not what the statement is saying. What he's saying is this. My son, God will provide himself a lamb. So, well, God, Dad, where, where's the lamb? Well, you don't have to worry about the lamb, son. God's going to be the lamb. Now here's what's interesting. When they get to the mountain, and Abraham's ready to sacrifice Isaac, and the angel Lord says, stop, don't do it, don't do it, and he says, here am I. And all that happens, notice, uh, he says, I was not withheld thy son Isaac from me, verse 13, Genesis 22, 13. Abraham lifted up his eyes, and looked, behold, behind him a, notice this, ram. You see that? Caught in the thicket. Now here's the thing. Lamb and ram rhyme, but they're two different animals. They're not the same thing. Abraham said, God's going to provide himself a lamb. 
Now, some people say, well, that wasn't Abraham prophesying. He was just saying that God was going to provide the sacrifice. Well, here's the problem with that. God never provided a lamb in Genesis 22. He provided a ram. Do you understand that? The prophecy was fulfilled when the Lord Jesus Christ Himself came down that mountain when He began His, His, His ministry. And John the Baptist looked up at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Because Jesus was that Lamb that God Himself offered as a Lamb. Because Jesus was God. And God truly did provide Himself a Lamb. And you can't say that the that in Genesis 22, the ram, because a ram is not a lamb. Abraham said God's going to provide himself a lamb, and God did provide himself a lamb in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's the one that, he's the one that took our place. He's the one that took our stead. He's the one that pictured our salvation. Look at Genesis 22, look at verse 14. And here's what I want you to. Here's what I want you to understand. Now, all, all those things are interesting, and, and you need to know that Genesis 22 pictures Jesus Christ. But here, here's what I think is the most interesting part of the story. Abraham is willing to give up the thing that he values the most. But do you know that if Abraham would have failed this test, God would not have used Abraham. If Abraham would have failed this test, God would have said, "I'm sorry, Abraham." You're not the guy for the job. And Abraham would have lost his opportunity to be known as Father Abraham. But because Abraham passed this test, not only did Abraham get to be the father of Isaac, the Bible actually says that he became the father of us all. Now here's what's interesting, verse 14. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. For, notice this is God speaking to Abraham. He said, For because. He says, Because thou hast done this thing. What thing? What did you do, Abraham? You, were, you did not withhold your son from me. You were willing to sacrifice the thing that you value the most. He said, Because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. Notice what he says, verse 17. That in blessings I will bless thee, that in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is, by, uh, which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. Now here's what you're going to say. What we just read is known as the Abrahamic covenant. This is a covenant where God promised Abraham, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to give you a multitude of children, you're going to have children on the earth like the sand as the sea and you're going to have a spiritual remnant as the stars in the sky he said you're going to be the father of many nations now here's what you got to understand okay when you choose to withhold from God the thing that you value the most you actually lose that opportunity I wish I could tell you the stories of the people that I've known in my life who come to a church like Verity Baptist Church. And they come to church and their lives are a mess. I mean, they don't have anything going on. They don't have, you know, I mean, they're lying. They're just, they just need help. And then God begins to work in their heart. And God begins to help them. And they get a job. And they get a car. And they get right with God. And they start making friendships. And then they start skipping church because of their job. And God's like, wait a minute. What do you like more? The job or God? Well, God, you gave me the job. I know, Abraham, I gave you Isaac, but who do you love more? And then oftentimes, God has to take that job because, see, God is not going to allow you to keep anything before Him. And oftentimes, God asks you, what do you value? Because He knows you're valuing something more than Him. But here's what's interesting. When you're willing to give that up, see, you got to understand this. I, I wish I had the eloquence. I wish I would have the ability to explain this to you. I'm going to try to do my best and we'll be done. God doesn't want to take anything away from you. He just wants to know that you're willing to give it up. And when He knows that He can trust you, God says, I'll give you more than you ever thought. He says, he says Abraham, you, you, you thought you were getting Isaac? I'll give you exceeding abundant above all that you can ask or even think. He says, Abraham, you thought you were getting Isaac? But notice what Abraham ended up getting because of the passing of this test. Go back to Hebrews 11. Look at verse 20. Not only did Abraham get a son, but Abraham got an entire lineage of men and women 
of faith. Notice Hebrews 11.20. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. What things to come? The prophecy that God had told Abraham a long time ago that there's going to come a Messiah and he's going to bless the entire world and it's going to come through our lineage. Isaac, when he saw his dad and Isaac, when he grew up with a man that loved God more than he loved anything else, Isaac then took that faith for himself and then he blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. And what did his children do? Verse 21. By faith Jacob, when he was a give something up. God will give you so much more. Go to Romans chapter 4. I, I just, I'm trying to get this, I feel like I'm not doing a good job with it, but I, I just want you to say, Romans chapter 4, look at verse 16. Romans 4, 16. We're almost done, and this time we actually are almost done. Okay, Romans 4, look at verse 16. Romans 4, 16. Remember we, we were looking at Romans 4 this morning? Romans 4, 16 says this, Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace, to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham. Notice this phrase. Who is the father of us all. See, Abraham was willing to give up being a father to one, and God said, I'll make you a father to all. Look at verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father to many nations. Abraham was willing to give up being a father to one lad. And God said, because you were willing to not withhold your son, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. Go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter number 10. When God knows he can trust you, He'll give you more. If God knows He can trust you with Isaac, then He'll say, well, if I can trust you with Isaac, then I'll just make you the father of all nations. Then I'll just make you the father of all of us. Then I'll just make you the father. Do you know that we are considered the children of Abraham through faith in the promised child? We were engrafted into that lineage, you and I. Abraham is our father according to the Bible because God, because Abraham was willing to give up one son. He gained millions. Because he was willing to give up one thing. See, God doesn't want to take anything from you. He just wants to know, are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to go without? If I ask you to give it up, would you give it up? And here's what you understand. Today, today there is a movement. I'm going to give you this example because it's the example that God gives. But today there is a movement of Christians who are conservative, and I'm conservative. Who are homeschoolers, and my family homeschools. And who are, you know, just, just radical, crazy, you know, doing all the crazy things we do. And they're good people, and they're saved, and I don't think they're bad people. But today, in the, in the independent federal Baptist world, there's this movement of Christians who, the, these guys are writing books, and they're teaching, they're teaching these young families. They're saying, look, you guys homeschool, you guys do this, you guys do that. And here's what they're teaching. They're saying, don't take your family to church more than once a week. They said, you know, you, you need family time. You need time to spend time with your kids. You don't need to be doing Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Don't do that stuff. And here's the interesting thing. My wife and I meet kid after kid after kid after kid who grew up in a home where they were homeschooled, where mom was with them 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and they only went to church once, and they did their own little Bible study at home, and came because, bless God, I'm going to put you free. And here's the problem. When you put your kid before God, God says, you're going to lose those kids. And those kids grow up and turn 18, and they go from the faith. I'm just going to tell you, if you say, I'm not going to let anything come between me and God, including my wife, including my children, including my job, God is going to allow and make sure that everything else gets taken care of. You're never going to lose Isaac. You're going to gain more than Isaac. Are you there in Mark 10? Look at verse 28. Peter said this. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, see, everyone that serves God sacrifices. Everyone that serves God has to pay a cost. 
You can't serve God and just be comfortable. You can't serve God and have everything be convenient. Peter had to learn this. Abraham had to learn this. You have to learn this. I have to learn this. If we're going to be used of God, we're going to have to learn that we cannot live like everyone else. We're going to have to sacrifice some things. And it may be time. It may be money. It may be convenience. Peter understood this. And notice what he says. Mark 10, 28. And Peter began to say to them, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. This is right after the story of the rich young ruler. Remember the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and Jesus says, Sell everything you have, give to the poor. And he went away sorrowful because he had much goods. And he wasn't willing to give up his things. And Peter says, well, wait a minute. What about us, Jesus? Because we have left all and have followed thee. Now notice Jesus' response. Verse 29. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold. He says, You think you're giving up Isaac? I'm going to make you the father of all nations. He said, Peter, you think you're giving up lands and houses and wives and children here on earth for my sake and the gospel? He said, I'm going to give you a hundredfold. He said, you, you got to understand, you and I don't give up anything to serve God. It's a privilege to serve God. But God just wants to know, are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to go without? Are you willing to say nothing between me and God? And God says, if I can trust you, I'll give you a hundred times what you thought you were getting, Abraham. You thought you were getting Isaac. He said, but I'm going to give you Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Judah. He said, I'm going to make you the father of all nations. He said, you're going to be looked at as the greatest father who ever lived because you were willing to not withhold yourself from me. You're there in Mark 10. Go to Mark 8. Look at verse 35. Here's the problem with most Christianity. Mark 8.35 For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Well, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to put my kids first, and I'm just going to, if my family doesn't want me to go to church, I'm just going to not go to church, because I need to put them first. You're going to lose your family, that's what you're going to do. Well, I just, uh, I, you know, I'm just going to put my job first, because I've got to provide for this, and i got to provide for that. You, you better be careful. God may just say, you take your finances away. Whosoever shall, will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. See, Abraham didn't lose anything. In fact, he gained way more. But God just wants to know, are you willing to give me your son? The thing you value the most. Now here's what's interesting. Okay, let's go back to Genesis 22. I know I keep saying it, but we really are done this time. I just need you to see this. Genesis 22. God takes you through this journey to change you. See, you and I come to God and we get saved and our lives are all about me. Me, me, me. What makes me happy, what makes me comfortable, what I want. Here's how Abraham started the journey. Genesis 22, are you in verse 1? And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, I want you to notice how Abraham responds to God. He said, behold, here I am. Here I am, God. Now, and I don't have time to explain this to you, but if you look at the, if, if you look in your King James Bible, you see the words here and am, they should be uh, italicized, okay? What that means is that those words are not found in the original, they were placed in there by the translators to give, make sense, and, and look, there are passages I can prove to you from the Bible that the italicized in the King James Bible is as inspired as the rest of scripture. Uh, I, I don't have time to develop that, but that's very clear. But here's all I'm trying to say. The words, those words, they're what the Holy Spirit wanted them. But the words were added. If we would have just got a, 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 a strict translation from what it said, which you need those italicized words, otherwise it wouldn't make sense. But here's all, here's all, all it would say. Behold, I. And here's the point. Here I am. And that's how you and I start our journey with God. Here I am. This is where I am, God. This is the family I have, God. This is the job I have, God. This is the lifestyle I have, God. This is where I am. And God wants to bring you through a journey where He's going to test you. And you're going to have to obey. And you're going to have to sacrifice. And you're going to have to walk in faith. And you're going to have to trust God and realize that if God asks me to give something up, He's not going to take it from me because He's a mean God. He actually has way more in store for me. And notice at the end of the journey, Verse 11. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. Remember, he's, he's been broken down 
He's been humbled. You don't think Abraham has wept over this? You don't think for three days his stomach has just been turning? His palms have been shaking, he's been sweating, he's been thinking, I'm going to have to kill my own son. God has taken Abraham through a journey. And I want you to notice, and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham! And he said, before he said, here I am, this is where I am, God. Now he responds this way, here am I. So what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. Here I am is where you want to be. Here am I is where you found yourself because God brought you there. The question is this, are, is your life, are you the I of your life? Or are you, you just saying, well, this is where God has brought me. I find myself on a mountain with a knife getting ready to sacrifice my son. And here is not where I want to be, but here is where God has brought me here am I. And if you notice, the great men of God that responded to the calling of God, they always said, here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. Here's a question. What is it that you would withhold from God? If God asked you right now, you would say, no, God, I'm not willing to do that. I'm not willing to go there. For some of you, it's soul winning. Well, I'll do anything else and everything you want me to do, but knock on a stranger's door, I'm not going to do that, God. And God wants to say, are you willing to do it? For some of you, maybe it's my word in the church. I don't know what it is. For some of you, maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm just here to tell you. There are things in your life that you put before God, and God wants to know. Are you willing? Not because He wants to take it away from you. He just wants to know when you'd be willing to do it. And God says, man, if you're willing to do it, I would give you so much more. You say, well, if, if, I, if I do that, God has a better job for you. God can help you be a better parent than you ever wished of being. God can give you a, a better, make you a better husband. He can do anything you want, but he just wants to know, what are you willing? So here's the question, what are you withholding? Answer it for yourself. What are you withholding? Is there anything in your heart that if God said, I want you to, you would say, no. Because Abraham would say, there is nothing, there is nothing that I would withhold from God. And God said, that's a man that I can use. You just got to understand this. Serving God comes with sacrifice. Salvation is free. But if you're going to be used to God, you're going to have to learn to sacrifice. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Lord, thank you for Abraham. And that we can learn from this story that he was just willing to sacrifice. There was nothing... He just believed that God had his best interest in mind. And there was nothing he was going to put before God. Father, I pray you'd help us to learn that lesson and live that way. Thank you for the story and the correlations we can see with Calvary and how we can see the picture of Jesus Christ through that, the sacrifice of a father. Father, I pray that you would help us all to search our hearts. Lord, help me to search my heart and to see... Is there anything that I that I just would not be willing to give up? Not because you're a mean God. You don't want to take it from us. You want to give us so much more. Help us to believe you. Help us to believe that you have our best interest in mind. We love you, Lord. In your precious name I pray. Amen.